Welcome to Sin 315. We're here to encourage and equip Christians to engage in the adventure of sharing Jesus with those that God puts into their life. And we're so glad you're here. Matthew? Yay! We have three of the most dangerous men oh, for the boy. kingdom of God. Oh, boy. That we've ever had in here. And yes. think about the dangerous people we've had in here. Truly. I think the devil has had a task force after some of our people that we have had in here on this podcast, but these are the three. Yep. And unlike one of the other episodes where we couldn't use their names, these guys are bold and we can actually welcome. Bold and courageous. That's for sure. And extraordinarily patient. <laughs> and I would just like to tell everybody, Sent 315 family, this is the one that you got to share with every single one of your friends because the Foothills Bus Ministry is in the house. <laughs> Pastor Don Bastrom, David Noretto, and Andrew Wilkerson is here. <laughs> I know his name. I just wondered if he would jump in there. That This is just a part of the bus ministry. And so we're going to explain a little bit about bus ministry. As everybody who's listening knows, and as we've talked about, the purpose of our episodes is to encourage and equip people to share their faith, to share Jesus the way that God built them. And some people think they don't have a lot of skills, a lot of talents. They're not preachers, theologians, and all that stuff. And they might not even have this at their church, but they could have a version of it at their church. But wouldn't you say, like Ruth Hoffman is an example Let's just start here. Don Bastrom. Yes, sir. How did you get the genius idea directly from the throne of God to do this bus ministry? Tell us the story. Mark and Dave Hoffman at one of the services, late 1995, and, and Sue uh, and I had just started coming to Sue's your Foothills. Wife. Sue is my wife. And we had just started coming to Foothills. This was before I came on staff. Easter of 1995, and then later on in 1995, we were sitting in a service, Mark and Dave, in the old sanctuary, presented to the congregation that they wanted to start a bus ministry that was similar to Metro Ministries in New York, yeah. Bill Wilson. Right. And they said, we've got a bus, we've got a driver, but we need volunteers. And so Sue and I looked at each other and whispered for a little bit and said, yeah, this is a ministry we can do. We'll just kind of join into the dozens of people that respond to this and so we signed up on a card and on on monday the sunday after that dave hoffman calls and says good news bad news you're a part of the bus ministry <laughs> the bad news is you were the only ones that volunteered so you are now running the bus ministry and so it wasn't something that i had a blinding light moment where i was encouraged to start a bus ministry they started it by default, we took over it, and here we are 30-some years later. In the 21st 20, 28 century. 28 years later. 28 yeah. years later. Yeah. Amazing. And thousands of encounters with young people and their parents mm -hmm. all over. Typically, I know the bus ministry, they don't go to La Jolla and Beverly Hills, right? <laughs> we go to apartment complexes that are in economically depressed areas and things like that. So, David, why don't you jump in and say what the bus ministry does today? Well, we go all throughout East County in San Diego. We pick up kids every single Sunday, take them to church. I think we're at like 80 or 90 on average right now. If we had every single kid that we picked up every single week coming, we'd right. probably be over 100. Sure. But we go through, we pick them up, we take them to church on Sundays, and we have a nice, amazing banquet yeah. cooked by, by Peter and Linda and a, a whole other kitchen yeah. team. And we feed them breakfast. We 
have lessons for them. And on Saturdays, what's kind of the more important part is we actually go to their houses and we hang out with them and we hang out with their parents or we'll, we'll take them to go get lunch or we'll take them to SeaWorld sometimes and just love on these kids in a more intimate way way that's one of the keys for me going during the week or on saturdays when you do it and you're visiting the orphans in the widows. Yeah. you're mm-hmm. going yeah. into their life you're not forcing them into our life our church that kind of thing and i think that's amazing so let me ask you this what was your first experience with the bus ministry my first experience was my mentor at the time was a volunteer in bus ministry and he was trying to get me to go to church for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. He finally was like, well, there's a bus that picks up right next door to your house. And so I was like, okay. And I hopped on the bus and I didn't know that it brought me back. So I ended up walking home afterwards. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> I mean, I've been around the bus industry and being brought into it so many times. I didn't, I didn't even know about it up until probably my freshman year of high school. Is that right? Yeah. And am I correct in assuming that you kind of met your wife in the bus ministry? I did. I did. In fact, my father-in-law also met his wife. We met at the same time because we knocked on this door and uh, my wife, she was a young kid and her mom, they had come over because her dad abandoned them. They had to move into this apartment complex in Lakeside. And we were told, hey, there's these new kids that just moved in. So I was out doing visitations with Eric and we knocked on the, the door and the mom answered and Julie answered and that we both <laughs> met at the same time. Years later, I ended up marrying that girl. Yeah. Wow. So, so you join the bus ministry, you get a wife. <laughs> this is good. I yeah, like there's that. There's a lot of stories keep, of keep, wives. Keep that, keep <laughs> that in mind. In yeah. the bus ministry. <laughs> well, I think Andrew, we're at like six. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. 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 We've a lot of people that met their future spouses in bus ministry. Uh, that's a good plus. Now, currently, you don't have a wife, right, Andrew? No, I don't. Okay. So, but you do the, work in the bus ministry. We're working. Yeah, I mean, there's yeah. hope in that. You're taking the right. Maybe route. I'll be the seventh. <laughs> How did you end up in the bus ministry? Well, so I was uh, doing kids church for a long time, and sometime around COVID, David had asked me to help lead the elementary school class. We were transitioning leadership at the time, and I stepped in to help ease that transition. I started with that and started with riding Elko and One. I started riding the bus because my mentor at the time, he would take me out to eat or hang out, go to the beach and stuff after church. And he would always ride the bus on the return route. And instead of hanging out at the church for two hours, that I would ride with him and rode on the bus and started to get to know the kids and love the kids and just fell in love with it. Yeah, I think there's something so deep inside of me that just relates to those kids so much. I never rode the bus <coughs> growing up as a student. But part of me just wishes that I had that experience. That's why I think I'm so passionate about getting more because I was that kid that wasn't reached, I guess. So just being able to reach these kids and show them that experience, it's heartwarming. This is what I want you guys to do. I should have probably prepped you for this one, but let's see what God gives you. Give me a picture, like you were sharing how you met your wife, but give me a picture of a bus kid, a situation that really personifies the reason why you do it, okay? And you can go in any order. Let me jump in there because this has a lot to do with the beginning of the bus ministry. We started with one bus and one driver, and now we have 23 vehicles and a team of 45 that do this. But at one point, maybe six months in to the bus ministry when Sue and I had started it, I didn't really have a passion 
for the kids. I really didn't see the need. I was doing a ministry. I was stepping into a, a role where there was a need, and I was stepping into the need. But I didn't have this um, calling to be in the bus ministry. But about six months, nine months into the ministry, I was we were in the Saturday morning prayer, and I just happened to be praying with Mark Hoffman. And uh, he was my prayer partner that morning when we were praying. And Mark started praying for bus kids. And at that time, maybe we had 10 kids, 15 kids, something Mm. like that. And he started praying for, I don't know if it was a real person, a real kid, or if it was hypothetical, but he started praying for this child, this kid, that was upstairs in their bedroom. And they were crying, and he says, this let's call it a boy. This boy is crying out, God, if you're real, Hmm. show me a sign. Let me know that you're real. Send somebody. And he started praying for this kid that we would be able to reach this kid that he's lost. And without us, he would never meet Christ. And I just broke down crying. Mark looked over at me and (laughs) wondered what was going on. But in that moment, I caught a glimpse of Mark Hoffman's heart for the kids of East County, which gave me a glimpse of God's heart. I could see God's heart in Mark's heart, and it just broke me, and I just sat there and sobbed. That day when I walked out from that prayer meeting, I had this passion, this love for the kids of East County that I didn't have before that meeting. Here we are 28 years later. Yeah. And I still have that love for the kids and the passion. Obviously, I'm still here, yep. much older. But uh, that's why I have young guys around now yeah, that, do. Uh, See, that's that do the, the fun thing. stuff. But there there's so many elements of this. Number one is the word mentor is getting woven into this entire story, which is that concept of mentoring is critical. That's a whole nother show, I'm sure. But the other thing is the transitions. The founding pastors of our church, Mark and Dave mm-hmm. Hoffman, transitioned and there's this new generation who has seen the heart and the passion and it's just so natural for them to take that over and take it to the whatever god wants to do with the next step david you got one yeah it's funny when i first started volunteering in bus industry i hated kids in fact the only reason i signed on to volunteer is because my mentor was like christian girls like guys that do ministry (laughs) diabolical i know i know but there was this one kid she went by Junior. It's not her real name, but it's what we called her. Gotcha. And she was probably like five years old. And I remember she lived in the Hop Penny Inn. And back when that was a common place for molesters and drug dealers and stuff to just live there. And her parents <coughs> would lock her out of the house while they did drugs. And they would just have her fend for herself. And she would go into random neighbors' houses and they'd give her sandwiches. And there was one time we went to visit and we saw her drinking out of, there was like a swamp cooler, like a a tray underneath the swamp cooler where people would put their cigarettes out from the water that the swamp cooler dripped. And she was going around drinking that because she had no other water. And I realized, especially in that moment with that kid, that when we're doing bus ministry, we're, we're ministering to kids like that. Yeah. And then I also realized there's so many kids in East County that a lot of with bus ministry, the reason I keep pushing through all these years is because I look at these kids and I see a lot of how I grew up and a lot of struggles that they all share and that I can relate to them and I can say, hey, look, I've been through that. Yeah. And I can tell you guys that God will pull you out of it. 
And that's and give them hope. Yeah, exactly. That's beautiful. Within you. Andrew, I sympathize with that because I think David and I talked about this the other day. I hated buses. I had to ride the school bus growing up, and it was always like the feeling that my mom couldn't take me to school, so I had to ride the bus. And I hated buses, so it was. I always found it <laughs> ironic that now here I am in this bus ministry, and I love buses now. But the picture that I would use to describe our ministry is we have a family that the dad's a Muslim. He's from Africa. They've immigrated and gone through all the systems and the system has beat them down and you go to their house and they make by. Um, there's roaches and bugs and the kids. Hey, you don't like those, right? Oh, I hate <laughs> yeah, we, we had a little yeah. pre-interview yeah, yeah. talk. Well, it was really ironic because David's wearing a shirt, The Pest Experts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. a pest company. It has nothing to do with bus kids, right? <laughs> nothing at all. Okay. Maybe some of the training. I don't so, know. So, you know, bugs and roaches and it smells. The kids never have shirts on because it's just so hot. Even in the wintertime, I'll never forget coming in and it's just uh, like a sauna. You would sit in there and you just boil alive because mom's cooking and just the heat of five kids in a bedroom is just overwhelming. You'll never forget the smell of that apartment, not because they're smelly people, but because just the moisture and the mold and the bacteria that yeah. forms in that environment. And being able to come to them and seeing the littlest one who has been growing up his life as a Muslim come up to you and say, is it time for church? Is it time for church? Is it time for church? Yeah. Coming there during the week to drop something off or saying hi. Oh, is it time for church? Is it time for church? <laughs> and having these kids come up to you and just you realize that these kids would have been down an entirely different path. Yeah. That now they love God. We had one of these kids come and give their life to the Lord just a couple weeks ago, and it was just one of the most inspiring things. It's just a reminder that these kids are down one path, and we have an opportunity to jump in there through Jesus Christ and correct that and yeah. bring them back. And without volunteers, without people being sent, being obedient yeah. 28 years ago and today, they aren't reached yeah. They're just they're kids sitting upstairs waiting for them to happen. I remember hearing a story, and I can't remember who, who told it to me, but outside the apartment complex, kids waiting to get picked up on the bus, Muslim kids waiting to get picked up on the bus, they're singing church songs mm -hmm. while yeah. the bus is coming in and driving yeah. wow. and pick them up. I want to share another picture of what Andrew was just sharing about that family. This last Sunday, that family, mom and all the kids were at church, Andrew was in the bus kids classroom and the littlest one that he was talking about was up on top of your shoulder wearing a little Rogers Yay. Green Bay uniform. I love that. And I was back on the couches talking to mom. Yeah. And then rather than other than the dad, everybody else was there. Yeah. That's beautiful for me. I've got two pictures of being of my bus experience and I shared that with you guys. Don made me aware, took me back to remembering I was a buzz kid. Had a single mom who worked really hard and didn't have energy. I, I think she loved Jesus, but she was just trying to provide for her family. Yeah. And, and she worked real hard. And, and a bus would pull up and take me to church. And I was a bus kid. Fast forward to my grandson, Magnus, who is currently a legend in the bus ministry. <laughs> at four years old, he has a little bit of a getting better at speaking. They've been working with him. And he got my attention. He said, 
grandpa, could I go on the bus? And I went, of course, Magnus, you can go on the bus, no problem. And he'd never been on a bus, any kind of bus, but he sees all these buses and the kids look like they're having fun. They're screaming out the window, we beat the blue team or whatever you guys, we beat bus one <laughs> as they're coming to church. They're coming with enthusiasm. And he goes, yeah, but just with you, none of my brothers and sisters, he's 104. I said, yep. He goes, can, can I sit in the front seat? And I went, that's beyond my pay grade. I'll have to find out. So little Magnus comes, little red-haired Magnus comes. You guys gave him a T-shirt. You let him sit in the front of the bus. And he was the one, and this is part of the diabolical part, right? You hand them candy as they get on oh, the yeah. bus yep. first thing in the morning. And I'm there. Half these kids, they're not even awake yet. They've got somebody just bringing them onto the bus. And so he's handing out candy to all those those bus people and he's having so much fun and i did i saw the love i saw the love and the affection that was there i saw a girl that my wife sylvia was in the bus ministry when she was in diapers now she's a bus mom i know her really well because i used to kick her out of church all the time because she was a little terrorist <laughs> yeah. oh yeah but i'll tell you i do have to tell you a secret though magnus now said grandpa can we go on the trolley? Now the, oh tro the trolley is going to be a very different experience. Yes, it will. And maybe somebody's got a trolley ministry that they can tell us about. <laughs> I want to know how you came to Jesus. I want to know that part. Andrew, why don't you tell us first? I wasn't really part of our church uh, growing up. Uh, we were Christmas and Easter sort of Christians. I remember, actually, we had a van, a church van, come pick us up a couple times, and I was just so opposed to going to church, even being five or six, that I would say, I have a stomachache, I'd have a so and my mom would have to stay home with me just because I didn't want to go to church. And we eventually, uh, gosh, I was in like fifth grade, maybe fifth going in sixth grade, and it was probably around this time. I'd sit in my room or hang out with my friends all summer, just hanging out until school started. And my mom came into my room, said, oh, you're going to go to, to church said, what? I'm not going to church. said, you're going to church. And I remember a couple even Easter's before that, she said, oh, we're going to Easter service and we aren't going to do Easter baskets this year. And I cried and threw a fit and everything. <laughs> That's just the type of person I was. I was just a baby. And my mom said, you're going to church. And I went to church. I remember she sat with me on for Friday night group. And she sat with me and just said, you, you have to, you know, be with these kids. Yeah, I'm not going to sit with you. So she made me go to this Friday night group and uh, they, I had some charismatic leaders that said, hey, summer camp's coming up. You want to go to camp? You want to oh, go to camp? baby. And I was all on board. I, I went to camp and I'll never forget meeting all these little sixth graders. We were all in this together, all scared of everybody. And I just found a family. I found yeah siblings and older brothers and fathers in my life that I was missing. And I was hooked. And I wasn't a Christian, but I definitely tried to be. And I wasn't saved, but I definitely tried to be. It wasn't until two future quests later that I actually broke down. And I made that choice. Yeah. And it was tough. It meant a lot of change in my life. Yeah. But I did it. And that's how I came to Jesus. Ever since then. David. Yeah. I love it. David. So I had a pretty rough going childhood. It was very violent. Just as an example, there was a couple times that my stepdad was like strangling me because I made him mad one way or another and people had to pull him off of me. But that, that's the kind of household I grew up in. And 
part of his family was Baptist, and then my dad's side of the family was all like, we're spiritual, but we don't really believe in God and on that side of things. And so I remember growing up, I believed there was God, but I did not like him. I was like, yeah. if there is God, I hate him or he hates me or something's wrong. And that was my attitude and it showed in how I lived my life. It got to a point where throughout middle school, I was I had attempted suicide a couple times. Um, I was very violent at school. Um, I even have scars on my knuckles from that time still. And there was just a couple things that happened in that time period where one, my uh, stepdad was a trucker, so I had to get dropped off. And we only had one vehicle. So I had to get dropped off at six in the morning at school when my school didn't start till eight. And the lunch lady made this deal with me where she let me go in and help set up breakfast in the mornings and I'd get a free slice of pizza and a free slushy, but I had to do a Bible study with her. <laughs> and I was yeah, like, I want to meet her. <laughs> yeah. And um, I was like, okay, free food just to read a book. And at the time, like I was a fairly smart kid, but I did not know how to read. Wow. So this woman, she taught me how to read out of an old King James Bible. Whoa. Come on. <laughs> uh, Come on. Sixth, seventh, eighth grade every morning. That was my routine. I'd, I'd get dropped off. I'd do a Bible study in the morning. And then I, my mom worked at an HR block right across from Lakeside Youth Venture. And I remember, I don't know if you know him, this guy, Jeremy Miller. Yeah, I've heard of him. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. I gave, yeah. He's been around. Yeah. I remember that now. <laughs> he invited me and my older sister to come eat pizza one day while my mom was at work and we were going into her, her office. And I was like, well, I don't really want to do homework in my mom's office. So I'll go over to Youth Center, eat pizza and play video games. And I started doing that. And there was this woman named Debbie who every single time I would leave, she'd be like, remember, Jesus loves you. And it made me so mad. Debbie Cuddell. Debbie Cuddell. <laughs> <laughs> Love it to death. She's amazing. But, but yeah. eventually it came to a head where my freshman year, I had just turned 14. I was not saved. I knew right from wrong, but I just, I still wanted nothing to do with Jesus. And I decided it was a good idea to go buy some marijuana. And my friend had this guy that was going to let me try some for free and then buy some later if I liked it. <laughs> so I was on my way to go meet up with this guy. And I see two of my friends that go to Youth Venture across the street. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to get in trouble if they see this happen because I've seen kids get kicked out of Youth Venture for being out. <laughs> and so I was like, I know it. I'll go walk across the street. I'll talk to them and make them think I'm doing something else. And I look both ways. There's no cars. I step into the road and this Mustang had floored it through a few stop signs, slammed into me. My Ooh, head hit the windshield. Oh, I did not yeah. know this. <laughs> yeah. And I like I had this moment where everything was dark and cold and I was just in like complete despair. Oh. And I wow. had this moment of realization. I was like, everybody at Youth Venture was right. God is real and I'm going to hell. And I started just begging God for another chance. And as I'm begging God, I'm like, I'll do anything. I don't care. I'll serve you. I'll find something to do, whatever it takes. And just, I saw this light and I saw this arm reach out and grab me. And then I was standing in front of the car. I had no pain, no bruises, no blood, nothing. The car had a huge dent in the hood from where I got hit. And there was this guy that was also, he was on the phone with his mom. And all I heard was him like cussing up a storm. He's like, this kid just got hit and stood right back up like a second later. And to me, it was like a three, four minute yeah, encounter. It was eternity. Yeah. But but to, to everybody else, it happened in a split second. And they had just seen me get hit by this car and just stand up and be fine. Um, Cars ain't got nothing oh, on Jesus. <laughs> yeah, no. So that night, I that day, I, right then and there, I gave my life to Jesus. That night, I went to a small group for the first time and confirmed and prayed the prayer. And then that night when I came home after group, though, 
my stepdad, he was drunk. My mom and stepdad were working on their marriage. They went to a bar as a date. They came home drunk as can be. They started arguing. I heard my stepdad hit my mom and I jumped up. I see everything. A lot of craziness happens. I ended up like having to fight him down the stairs so he wouldn't go after my sisters. And he, while I'm on the phone with 911, he busts open my door, pulls out a knife, hands it to me and gets on his knees and tells me to slit his throat because he didn't deserve to live. And this was the night that I gave my life to Jesus and I just decided I'm not going to be a violent, vengeful person anymore. And honestly, through Jesus saving me, he saved my stepdad's life that night too. Wow. And, but since then it's been like, I knew no matter what, I need to pursue Jesus. And it was like that moment I had to choose. Dude, I don't know how you two got invited onto the show. (laughs) I I did not (laughs) have not heard that story before. But if you think that was hard, there's this friend of mine, Don Bastrom, corporate executive VP at Wells Fargo, Uh and God even reached him. I've got to say this, both with Andrew and with David. One of the reasons that makes these guys powerful leaders in the bus ministry is because you see where they've come from. Yeah, yeah. They have right. a compassion because of oh. the experience yeah. that they've had as a kid growing up, and they do. They've got this compassion for the kids, and it's the they're able to relate to bus kids and love them in a way that people that don't come from their history, their childhood and stuff like that, I didn't. It wasn't, it wasn't part of my past. As far as me coming to Christ, I was raised in a very strong Catholic family, extended, very extended Catholic background. I had done everything non-religious and Christian. I was not a Christian. I was raised a Catholic. I just really went through the motions. And so by the time that I'd gotten a promotion to go back to Wells Fargo's home office as director of marketing, I thought I was on top of the world. I had the money, I had the prestige, I had the power, I had this beautiful home back east. And I remember walking through the fields to go watch my boys play baseball one day thinking I was just on top of the world. I got home after a trip and I was in the home office with my two boys and my wife. One night she walked up and she said, I'm leaving you, I don't love you. And she walked out, left me with two boys. My world came crashing down. For weeks, my Catholic church people from back here in San Diego kept saying, go to Mass, pray, read this Bible, read this scripture. And one day I was sitting alone in my kitchen in Des Moines, Iowa, and read uh, Second John, and it just came alive. And I realized I was alone, but it was like the room was filled with the Holy Spirit. And he walked me through seeing what kind of a life I had led, really showed me a picture of a way scale, like a gold scale. On one side he said, this is what I want for your life. This is all the power and the prestige and the money that you have. And on the other side is your marriage. Which one's more important? And it just hit the bottom. Alone there in the kitchen, I gave my life to the Lord. He led me to the Lord. The Lord led me to the Lord. (laughs) I had never heard the sinner's prayer. I had no information on accepting. It was just a Holy Spirit moment. And, and I'm so surprised that, that Wells Fargo didn't have a chaplain. <laughs> <laughs> they did after that. <laughs> there we go, right on. So I walked in about a month later to the president of Wells Fargo and said, I have to go back and try to save my marriage. My wife had moved back to San Diego, and I resigned that position and went back to a branch manager level. And 
my daughter says, I climbed the corporate ladder, I got up to the top rung, and then just jumped off. <laughs> but I jumped for Jesus. There you go. And so that's what started my Christian walk. Yeah, and I love the fact, and we will have to do this in a separate episode, but you epitomize Christian retirement. <laughs> because that's right, I you, retired in 2003 to come on as full-time pastor at yeah, Foothills. Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and he always told everybody he's part-time. Wow, that's what part-time looks like? That's what retirement looks like? 20 years ago. I know. I want to wrap it up, but I wanted to say, this is, I'm I'm just overjoyed for the people that are hearing this all over. Yeah, this is just another sample, but these are the people I have the honor of serving with. And it is an honor to serve with you, man. And I just want to say thank you for what you do. And also to the people that are listening, whether it's somebody who's doing a Bible study at the elementary school with that ragamuffin kid that shows up two hours early or the person who does the good news club like Mrs. Knutson did when I was a neighborhood kid. This is the purity of ministry. This is the real thing on the front edge. And so people who are serving, we're telling you thank you too. Thank you yeah. for what you're doing and how you're serving. Absolutely. For those that are listening saying, I don't have anything to give. The kid had fish, the kid had a loaf for two, and the Lord will breathe on it and do amazing things. Let's pray. Father, um, I do ask that you give a revelation to everyone who's listening about how they might enter into an adventure like this. That, Father, that they are sent. Jesus said, the Father sent me, I send you. And just a picture of how God backs us up as we just take a step forward and offer what we have. So, Father, I just ask that this would be the catalyst for many people saying yes to Jesus' invitation to the adventure of sharing his love with people far from him mm. and so in need. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen.